Welcome, friends, to The Flower of the Cedar, a novel in episodic podcast form. We are about to start the next chapter. Come, join us. Chapter 28 The Mind-Breaking When she fled the Lamia's wilder that night, her temples throbbing with the face of Jan and of her brother Dairon, Lara ran for so long that she could feel her legs no more. The wilder, she knew, had made their home in a forest that eventually skirted the banks of a wide river, and, without purpose, Lara ran until she found its water murmuring in the night. She followed its windings, ducking and dodging the brush, the limbs of trees like supplicants seeking to slow her down. And once she outran that day, she found the sea and she let her mind break. She could remember a lingering saltiness and wet hair dragging in her eyes. She could remember the burn of her skin against rocks and looking at her arms, wrists, the backs of her hands and seeing redness. But from there the memories turned cooler and darker wet without salt, and she supposed she must have made her way from the harsh sunlight of the bare shore to one of the caves further inland. Beyond the vague memories of light and dark, hot and cooler, she could remember nothing of that day, that first confused day, and before it, not even simple memories remained. She had not counted the passing of time because she had forgotten why it would matter, but enough of it passed for all of her body to grow darkened in the sun, hardened with the winter's cold, and the soles of her feet were calloused with walking bare over rocks and sand. A deep cave housed her, insensate and shaking with hunger until the world again warmed. One of the early days when she threw herself into the waves, she had risen tangled in the folds of the waterlogged shift dress the Lamia had given her for the ritual, full-skirted. As soon as she was conscious enough to be aware of it, she ripped it off, confused and frustrated with the way it hindered her movements. She did not remember why she wore it, nor whence it had come, nor did she think to feel shame in her nakedness. The blinding sky, the rocks with their cormorants, the sea, they looked and did not frown on her. 
and everything else was lost in the void of memory before that first day. Her hair soon freed itself of any bindings, its deeps streaked with sun and knotted in seaweed twigs. She took to tying it back clumsily with a thin strip of palm leaf. Most days she swam in the mornings, when the sun was still low in the sky, and in the midday heat she would be under the eaves of the forest or in the shadows of the cave where she slept. Then again in the evenings, the sun once more low and spent of half its daytime fury, she would return to the shore and splash through the shallows to cleave the deeper waters with her strokes. It was in swimming that she came closest to remembering what it was that she had forgotten. Her swim one evening remained in her body long after she had dripping, panting, left the water. The salt dried rough on her. It gave comfort now, the almost imperceptibly gritty surface of her fresh-dried skin. She lifted her chin to the final rays of light where she sat now astride a broad tree limb. Her thighs lay quiet, like the bodies of nesting birds. She gripped the air with bare feet and laughed, but the laugh held no pleasure. When the night began to fall, flitting between the trunks and boughs of the forest, she swung upside down from her tree and dropped like some wildcat four-footed to the mold. She reared upright and loped off to her cave, reaching it just as she saw the moon sliver in the sky. A great yawn broke the composure of her face. She knelt at the cave's mouth. A sudden, unbidden rush of a mind picture intruded. A face. The face of a creature like herself, but not her own, wavering above her. Its edges were soft, indistinct. She thought perhaps she was falling asleep. The creature's dark eyes held the glimmerings of something whose name she had forgotten, she shook herself and thought she heard a voice suddenly. Come now, sister. You need not fear, it said. But she could not understand the language. The warmth it held surrounded her like arms strong and gentle, and her throat pulled tight, and she wept. The tears troubled her, as snow falling from the sky would have troubled her, as all things beyond our known language trouble us. Instead of running, she hid in the cave and drew herself tightly into a crevice before falling asleep, her hands and cheeks damp with treacherous salt.
drummer may follow two paths of the upper and lower body, the feet keeping one beat and the hands another. The two are separate but united in the single law of rhythm set by the song. She who could not remember and did not want to found that in rejecting memory she was shut off to many other kinds of thinking, the more intricate sorts that are like the upper rhythm of the drummer, that of hands and arms and several drumheads, contemplation, dreaming, the seeking of the soul for the goddess. These things she released, giving herself over to the lower animalish rhythms, food, water, sleep, shade and sun, swimming, relieving herself. These beats are easily kept with a single foot, and in her great weariness and fear, fear of what she might play if she used her hands, perhaps, she kept up the simple steadiness of these habits and held her upper body still, hands folded in her lap. The drumming foot was the only sign of movement in her, and so the only hint of continuing life. It pulsed like a heartbeat, the same basic thrust again, again, again. But she made a very quiet picture in the heavens, and hands forget their skill when long unused. She did not know what she lost in so doing. A storm had come once, before she had grown darkened wholly by sun, and she had spent its duration crouched on the sand, screaming. In thunderstorms afterwards she fled, a great horror upon her, into the recesses of the grottoes piercing the shore. After the confusion of the first storm's arrival, she had soon learnt what was meant by the colour of the sky and the silver undersides of leaves. But the vision, the face, had broken some protective shell in her mind, and she pelted to earth, weeping, trying not to sleep, for in thunderstorms she dreamed terrible things, things filled with sounds she could not remember hearing, the creaking shout of mighty trunks shooting up in a moment, cries with intricate intonations she knew no animal made, a terrible thrumming rhythm heard by candles light, and worst of all, the low murmur of a voice beside her, laughing, then weeping, not speaking to her, and yet somehow a distinct threat. She did not know even then what it said, what the sounds signified, but they filled her with terror. These sounds, though she did not understand them, haunted her in her waking hours, she longed to make sense of them, and yet she feared what message they would carry to her if she did. 
The day after a nightmare, she swam feverishly for hours beyond her normal allotment, pleading with the long muscles of her body to be spared remembrance. Let me be, let me be, said the two arcs of her arms, cleaving the waves, pulling against the force far greater than hers. She heard the voice conversing lowly again, and she shuddered, surging forward beneath the sun. When spent, she came up the sands and sat to stare out at the ocean. She felt a kind of despair steal over her. Oh, give me oblivion, she asked its immensity. In mercy. In mercy, give me oblivion. The returning waters, the eternal horizon, they did not answer. Their muteness served as a continual rebuff. You are not one of us. You cannot dissolve here, a drop in a welcoming depth. You are awake, and you cannot sleep as we do. Therefore you must bear your waking as best you can. The Flower of the Cedar is written, produced, and published by me, Kay Ben-Avraham. This content is made possible by the support of my patrons on Patreon, we make monthly pledges they can increase, decrease, or cancel at any time. If you are enjoying listening, please consider supporting my work on Patreon. Even a dollar a month makes a great difference to a struggling author. For those of you wishing to support this work in non-monetary fashion, you can tell a friend about the podcast or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help ratings rise so that other people can find it. Thank you so much. <laughs>